Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. (laughs) Welcome to the Knife Talk Christmas Party 2020. I'm your, I'm, uh, I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives, and I'm here with Craig Lockwood at Chop Knives. And Marako Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts. Merry Christmas, gentlemen. Ho, ho, ho. How Happy are you? holidays. Happy Hanukkah, Jeff. Look at Maybe you. These bells down I'm doing it all. I do it all. We do it all over here. We do it all yeah. over here. Because I'm half and half. So sure. my mother was Roman Catholic. My father was Jewish. So I, I, built a, I built a menorah years ago, and we use that every so often. But as most non-practicing Jews know, Christmas is a lot of fun. So we've been, we've, I've been, you know, we've been dealing with Christmas, you know, since since I was a kid. Cool. And and you've had snow today, so you're feeling Christmas. <sighs> Get the fuck out of here! I, we got snowed in. Oh. Um, we got nine inches of snow from starting last night. So we had kind of prepared for, um, we prepared for snow, and I prepared earlier in the week. And I try to get everything done and out the door on Wednesday. So if I had a, you know, or if I if I couldn't go into the shop on Thursday, I'd be okay. So actually, I woke up this morning and I at five and started clearing the. It was a disaster outside, and our town is the worst when it comes to snow plowing. They, I mean, mm. they are idiots. I mean, it's like the funniest thing, stupidest really? thing is like, oh my god, they're the dumb. I mean, it's like every other person on the street also has a snow plow in their truck. But they don't fucking plow anything. It's just like it's this stupid. It's like so. So this morning I'm I'm shoveling everything out. I'm getting everything ready. I'm trying to think. All right. Well, I talked to the maintenance guy the of our where my shop is, and he says he's probably gonna um he's probably gonna plow at like you know nine o'clock. So he says just come in an hour late. Okay. So all right, I'm fine. There's just no way, you know. And then I got eleven. I'm looking around trying to get the streets look terrible. Everything looks bad. And I get out there after lunch, and there was an ambulance blocking the road. So I was like, well, I'm going to turn around there. I'm not going to wait around for him. How inconsiderate of people dying. As a, as a note, you're, you're on a hill. Uh, that's why I imagine there's an ambulance down there, right? Well, Keep the ambulance was on the 
the ambulance was on a road getting from my house to the shop, so I didn't really feel like turning around. Honestly, it didn't really matter. So they got back. To the sh- then I got finally got to the shop at one, and they didn't plow the driveway going to the shop, so I couldn't be in the shop to podcast. So I just I thought, what am I going to go walk? You know, walk to the shop and then for an hour and then come home. So I just came home. This fucking sucks. Merry don't, Christmas. Don't you have a? Don't your doesn't your Jeep have four wheel drive? My Jeep is still in the shop. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, my was, the, dude, dude the, the insurance guys and the and the and the auto body guys are like they're they they ain't in a rush for me, and that's the that's the <laughs> fucking hilarious part about this whole thing. Now we're like, you know, three weeks in, and my little fender bender into the shop cost me. I could have totally driven into the shop with the oh. uh, with the jeep, but like, you know, not in a I can't. I'm not driving through a nine inches of snow in a Prius. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> no, probably best not. <laughs> I mean, you gotta be kidding me. So That's I'm here on the third drive, floor. Right? Uh, it's like I think it's run by like I think there are a couple gerbils in in there. They just, like, <laughs> and they, they just spin a wheel or something like that. Not to mention the battery in that fucking thing died. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm, having to ju- I'm having to jump start the goddamn Prius every time. Thing? Well, it's got it's got 180 thousand miles on it, and the battery is like good for 150 so i'm saying to my wife i'm like i'm just gonna just jump the jump the car every time i need to go anywhere so yeah yeah so i've been we've been snowed in and uh you've had the day off you had the day off basically i was pacing the house and and (laughs) and i i tried to get the shop downstairs shop ready that i could work but my wife's working from home so i had to be quiet and then my kid is doing classes from home. So I'm just like, I was thinking at one point, I said, like, you know, I should just smoke some weed and like crawl into a sock drawer or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a bullshit. I just shouldn't even be here. Basement. I shouldn't even, well, I didn't want to make noise. Uh, I don't want to make noise. Oh, yeah, With yeah. that bowl it's... gag that you wear down there, you'd be pretty silent, I'm sure. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you love that fucking joke. <laughs> you love that fucking joke. I'm getting like sex dungeon DMs. P.S. Thanks to you, you you cocksucker. Good. You. I'm getting good, like good. all these. I'm getting all these goddamn DMs about like, well, you know, your sex dungeon. I was like, shut the fuck up with the no sex dungeon. Just leave it alone. <laughs> Welcome uh, to the Christmas party, guys. It is Christmas party. Are you guys drinking? Happy oh, yeah. holidays. I'm at work. Good. What am I supposed I'm to drinking. Oh, yeah, it's just midday <laughs> for you. Jeez. I'm, yeah. dr- I'm drinking seltzer water. I got. Oh. I have. I still have things to do. I gotta like you know. I I know that you and you you're in France and you're like you started in at like four and then you, <laughs> you 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 wrote some drunken stories on Instagram for the <laughs> you know, we had to straighten you out. Oh, I've been drinking. Sorry. It's no, well, it's nine fifteen here, um, and the original plan I I got all the times wrong. I thought we were recording at midnight my time, um, but no, we're three hours earlier. But I, well, I've still managed to have a few drinks. I, I've got two on the go now, so I've got a um, it, it's gin with elderflower and ooh. watermelon ice cubes, and like Saint Germain. Very good gin and Saint Germain, or you have um, actual elderberry. Eld- Elderflowers. Elderflower. Elderflowers, yes. You make like elderflower syrup and you put it with gin. Oof. But then, Sounds yeah, tasty. my wife's really into watermelons in the freezer. So um, use them as ice cubes. But then they sure. um, soak up all the alcohol. But it's like the December. It's the best. It's yeah, the best. you freeze it. I, but yeah, but gin and tonics, isn't, it's, that's a summer thing. Well, that's one of the drinks I've got on the go. Oh, what, what do you got? <laughs> <laughs> what do you have? Like a, a, a glug? You have glug? What is that shit? Glug? That's I've Swedish big, stuff? No, I've got a big glass of Bordeaux Beautiful. as well, which is which is Jesus huge, Christ. So. You ought to be yeah. a, you ought to be a real yeah, a I real thrill tomorrow. Oh, look, you know, so you, you ought to be real. We got, we got nice. two on the go. 
Spice you ought to be wine. real pleasant tomorrow. Well, that's the whole plan because <laughs> we're driving to the UK tomorrow. So my plan is to stay up as late as I can so then I can sleep all day because we leave about 4 p.m., 5 p.m. tomorrow um, because I'm doing the drive-in and it's, you know, 18-hour drive. So, um, yeah, I need to sleep as much as I can overnight now, hence staying up as late oh as possible. God, that sounds terrible. So you're going to stay up and have a hangover. Well, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> it's Christmas. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. <laughs> exactly. So I've been sitting on the photocopier, photocopying my ass. I've been, I've been chasing my wife around the office. I've been doing all this, you know? Look at you. music playing in the background. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I finished, like, all orders. I've literally stopped work at midday today. Um, and what, what, you know, what isn't done isn't done is, is, is that situation. So... Yeah, it feels as if I've I've stopped for ten days. It feels really good, wow. really good. I, I do, I do have a trip to. So on the way back, we pass via Paris, and I need. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous. I need to stop at the customs offices to do some signatures to clear some knives so they can clear through customs. Um, but yeah, that's on the way you know, out or on the way back. On the way out. On the way <sighs> out. Um, yeah, we have had a few knives stuck there for a long time. So I've been calling them, calling them. I said, well, look, if I if I just come to you. Can we just clear things up? They're like, yeah, of course. So, so yeah. So, but, how but that's far, it. How far out of the way is going to Paris? Oh, we we passed, but we passed through Paris. Anyway. We we uh, we 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 <laughs> uh, we passed through Paris on the way anyway. So it, it's it's not too bad. But it just means going into you know central Paris and finding their offices and all the rest of it, which is not fun driving through Paris. I don't mean yeah, I was like gonna it. Say, but, that sounds like an adventure. Yeah, but I mean, saying that the roads are completely empty everywhere at the moment. There's we got curfews back on here in in France, um, so yeah, nobody's out anyway. The the, pre, the French president, we've just found out he's got COVID. Heard that. Um, Heard that. Yeah. So everything is very very quiet at the moment. Um, there's no Christmas shopping being done anywhere. For example, all the shops are closed. So it's yeah, should be easy enough. Fuck. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, if you were drinking, what would you drink right now? Well, I thought about having a glass of Jameson's, but it, it's like it's a I glass can't. Of I don't, Jameson, like a I mean, like a small like glass a, of Jameson's, okay. not like, like a, a tumbler with a rock. Yeah, like on the with a little rock, you know, okay. or you know, or or beer or something like that. I I can't really. If I drink before five o'clock, I just fall asleep. So it's like it's bad. It's like since I was a kid. Since I was a kid, I used to do that. I mean, since kid. I mean, like twenty-one. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Can't do. I can't drink day drink. It's just like I get too sleepy. Mm. So. But yeah, it's. I say it's twenty past nine here, so anything goes. Yeah, you look at you. You got you're double fisting with a glass of wine and a fucking gin and tonic and a, I've just and had a like watermelon a ice cube. Massive dinner as well. We're away for ten days. So my wife was like, "Well, I'll cook tonight," and basically just like emptying the fridge of everything. So we've had a massive, massive dinner and now drinking. It's it's all good, all good. Nice. Morocco, your week. How's it been? <sighs> it's been good actually. Uh, except, so uh, I think last week, <laughs> uh, I think last week I was talking about, uh, I was getting ready to start forging on another knife, got that going. Uh, it's a Sanmai, and I struggle with doing Sanmai, and it seems like it should be so stupid simple, but when I'm trying to do it as an integral, you're reducing it down from thick material. I think my billet, initial billet, was like two inches thick, and as you're reducing it down, shit happens and sometimes the material gets kind of askew or twisted off and then the center core isn't necessarily the center anymore mm. and 
so I've been fighting with that and grinding and taking pictures and sending videos to the customer and I'm not sure if he's really excited about it. I don't know. Yeah. It's, How do you know? It's always he's saying something? No, he's saying nothing. And yeah. I'm asking, like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to move forward with it if he's not happy with it, because then that's just wasted time. But I'm also, uh, so I'm not hearing anything from him. Uh, and I really want to get that order done, but until I hear anything from him, I'm not going to do any more work on it. So I've just started working on the next order, which is kind of like a, a dream customer <laughs> that we uh, that I get every once in a while, where they're like, you know, I he had very limited um, details as to what exactly he wanted, um, which was a particular pattern, blade shape, a handle style, a general handle color. But other other than that, he's like, have fun, do whatever. So it's pretty, it's pretty. Um, I guess kind of open-ended in a way. Uh, nice. It's nice to have those limited, like some guidelines. I hate it when the uh, the worst customers are either somebody who really knows exactly what the fuck they want or the person mm. who's just like, have free reign. And I'm like, oh my God, I could make you anything. And I send it to you. And what happens if you hate it? Like, I don't want that. So it's nice mm. to have some of that intermediary kind of like boundaries and guidelines to work with. So um, this next that's one. The expression, uh, that's the expression, do whatever you want within reason. Within reason, sure. You know, like anything you want, but, you know, not everything. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I, it's given me an opportunity to work within the pattern style he wants, which is the Maelstrom, which has, like, as it, the pattern flows down the blade, it looks like, so Maelstrom is a, like, a, I think it's a Norwegian word that refers to... It's um, a storm, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, it's like the er, the, the eddies and the, and the twists and the up and downs and whirlpools of water. And so, um, and yes, I think it also can be used for, to refer to a storm. Um but it's kind of like that, just like that kind of churning and mixture kind of activity that you can imagine. So yeah. I'm playing with a new approach to that that kind of tries to create some depth. Um, and I've taken some inspiration from my friend Peter Swarsbert, um, who's now in Hawaii. I used to work with him at Dragon's Breath Forge. But he, he started doing this uh, gradient pattern where it's... It's kind of more dark material at one end of the pattern and then lighter material at the other, and it kind of gradiates in between. And it creates this aesthetic of depth that I'm really excited to kind of play with and kind of create um, some interesting activity in this next blade. So I started forging that material today. Um, and then what else? Oh, we've been just kind of doing Christmas stuff uh, with our dude. We did uh, we did some gingerbread house decorating, which I don't think I've done since I was his age, and he's four right now, um, and that's been pretty fun. He's loving it though, like all the decorations and the lights and stuff. And there's a lot of people uh, in our neighborhood. We've been going on like uh, evening walks, even though it's been pretty damn cold, um, and checking out all the like holiday lights and stuff like that it does um, look like people are going all out this christmas i think yeah. maybe they've been locked down for so long that it's like they like, got extra christmas time to put those lights year. up yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure so we've been going around checking those out there's a lot of those like weird kind of like balloon kind of characters like snowman mm. and santa claus and there's a house a couple uh spots down that has like a, a santa claus on a t-rex 
and like a goat dressed up in like a Santa Claus hat and an ugly Christmas sweater. <laughs> no, it's just like goofy stuff all over the place. How Christian is that? Super exactly. anti-Christmas. Was about to say. Praise <laughs> Jesus. That's super, super, super anti-Christmas. Yeah. Santa on, <laughs> Santa on a dinosaur is that's bad. So, uh-huh. You you were talking about um, your patterns and your your maelstrom pattern, um, and it just got me thinking. Did you see Josh Prince's um, like feather Damascus this week? Yeah. That he posted a picture. Yeah. Wow, that was incredible. Yeah, it's a beautiful piece. I think he's selling it. Actually, I I, I may be mistaken. I know he does work with Eating Tools, who is a uh, he's kind of like a gallerist of sorts, uh, hmm. in based out of New York. And I think that one went there, but I could be wrong. But hmm. um, yeah, it's beautiful. a beautiful piece. It's really interesting. And I think he did the uh, like Jeff was mentioning the other day when he does the hot cut. He he makes this hot cut out of steel that can then be incorporated into the blades. So usually you see those feathers come together at the tip, um, but his has kind of like, um, you can see that there's still a wedge in there, um, which I think he did intentionally and um, kind of pressed into that pattern. It's really cool. It's like a halo around the around the feather. Yeah, yeah as That's well beautiful. as building it up around the feather. Yeah, for sure. Super cool. Very nice. Yeah. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat the manufacturers of the finest heat-treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! To the chopper. Um, Evenheat. Evenheat-kiln.com. Go check them out. We're now at that point at the show. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? Where we like to ask questions. Uh, excuse me. Oh, yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> is that the burp app? <laughs> Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. Was original. But rather than take uh, listener questions, let's get quizzical. Oh. I've got a Christmas quiz. Are you ready? <laughs> All the time. Okay, I'm going to give you a a minute. Um, let me wait there. Just let me see if it's a minute. I don't know how long this is for. Bear Didn't we decide it's like 27 seconds or something weird? That was 11 seconds. We don't want that one. Bear with me. Bear with me. I've had a drink and I can't quite control <laughs> yeah. anything. Just a second. Those, those two, those two drinks go. you have together could be like the most disastrous sounding drinks for your stomach. <laughs> quite possible. Like you might as well have cocktail. like a Bailey's Irish cream too. You might as well just really Ugh, fuck yourself yeah. up. God. It's, it's a minute. I found a minute countdown. Okay. Who would All like nice. to go first? I'll go for it. Miraculous it first. These are Christmas themed. Are you ready? I hope so. You say pass if you don't know. Let's. Okay. T minus one minute. What did the other reindeer not let Rudolph do because of his shiny red nose? Playing the reindeer games. How many ghosts show up at a Christmas carol? T minus 50 seconds. <laughs> uh, four? Where was baby Jesus born? Fiction. In a manger in Bethlehem. The T movie Miracle seconds. on 34th Street is based on a real life department store. What is that? Oh my god. Jeff, you know the answer. I don't. I have no I idea. I do. What are the two most popular names for Santa Claus? Ooh, uh, Saint Nicholas and ooh, Klaus. Santa Claus. Elvis isn't going to have a white Christmas. He's going to have a <laughs> blue Christmas. What do people <laughs> traditionally put on top of a Christmas tree? Uh, either a star or an angel. In Home Alone, Home Alone, where are the McAllisters going on a vacation when they leave Kevin France, behind? Paris, France. Damn. That was good. I'm screwed. We have. Yeah, boy. One, two, three, four, five. That was good. 
That's a hard one. Either is I feel like it's most often people do an angel or a star, right? Yeah, yeah. The answer was angel. You you gave okay. both. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Five. Are you ready, bets. Jeffrey? Yes. <laughs> sure. All the time. T minus one minute. In the classic Christmas movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Grinch was described with three words. What are they? <sighs> no idea. Stink, stank, stank. Seconds. In which modern-day country was Saint Nicholas born in? <sighs> These fucking questions. I'm gonna say Sweden. Turkey. In the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, what happened every time a bell rang? Oh, an angel got his wings. Yes. What word follows Silent Night in the song? Holy Night. Which Hollywood actor played six different roles in the Polar Express? No idea. In Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, what was the first name of Scrooge? Ebenezer. Which country did eggnog come from? <laughs> one with uh, Nine, one with eight, <laughs> with uh, seven, lactose six, intolerance. Five, <laughs> Which real four, life person is Santa three, Claus based on? Two, one, zero. <laughs> no idea. The Christian bishop Saint Nicholas, apparently. Oh, so I sucked. Had, well, not too bad. Would you like to know how many you had? Not really. I mean, two, three. Three yeah. miracle wins. Congratulations. Oh, Merry Christmas. For now, I'm sure there's more. <laughs> I know how this goes. Oh. Possibly. Hey, man, <laughs> can I ask you a question? So this is the normal bit where we get people um, contacting us via DM. Contact us via DM at Knife Talk on Instagram. And we... It's that easy. <laughs> <laughs> and we try to answer questions. Um, so the first one is Anonymous. Um, I've been following the industry for a couple of years now and slowly getting to the point where I'm making knives and starting my bladesmithing journey. I want to keep it as a hobby or a side hustle and fulfill my need to make things. I've been listening to Knife Talk right from the very first episode. Big fan of you guys and the work you do. Jeez, this is long. One big (laughs) problem I have, which is repeatedly reinforced on the show, is the use of social media, which I hate. I've joined beginner knife-making groups on Facebook and while I don't post anything nor ask questions, one thing that really bothers me is fuckers who have obviously been making knives for a while. Post a knife in a beginner knife-making page and say it's their first knife. <laughs> while I don't want to be an arsehole and call them out on it, I understand that they could be a freak of nature and honestly make, you know, it could be a first great knife. Um, I can't help but be pissed off and think that these actions could actually be putting people off who are considering getting into knife-making. I personally believe they are just arseholes <laughs> who need the likes to fulfill their needy nature. <sighs> My question is, <laughs> Jesus, that's an intro. Chapter two. What, yeah, <laughs> what suggestions would you have for someone who can't stand social media to be able to get their work out there? This day and age, word of mouth just doesn't seem to go far. And also, do you get arseholes like this sending you photos of their first knife, expecting you guys to kiss their ass? Cheers and all the best for your fantastic work. And that was anonymous. I think that you gotta not worry about people, your peers. It's like yes. it's like it's just. I mean, there's you can get some help, but it's just you're you're asking for trouble. And who cares? And then who I cares think, about their? Who cares about the the reasons why they do what they do either? Yeah, and I think Facebook in particular, like Facebook groups, they're generally full of assholes. Anyway. <laughs> 
They really are. It's just like, oh, the thought of a knife-making group on Facebook. I can imagine how bad it would be. Um, yeah, maybe stay off Facebook for, you know, knife stuff. But, yeah, if you're not using social media, it is going to be difficult to get your stuff out there. Um, you know, events, shows, maybe that kind of thing. You know, one thing about these Facebook groups that I just kind of not realize, but I, I really I notice that somebody will put something up and then it'll be not related. And then some like Karen type will say that this isn't that type of, we don't do that here. This is meant for this. Policing the group. Yeah, policing the group. That's what I always see those. I'm just like, this is awful. I'm not interested at all. And then everyone's just trying to make a joke. Like for some reason on on Facebook, people are trying (laughs) to like be clever. Like the the response is supposed to be really clever instead of being supportive. Yeah, it is a weird, weird place. Yeah, um, but yet we also get people sending, tagging us in pictures of their knives, um, which is as if we're gonna, you know, sort of judge them, but which we don't. It's a weird one. Um, yeah, but did you know that thing when people they post something and you have a look and they've tagged like forty people in their post. <laughs> you, and it's like they're basically saying, the just come and have a look 30. at my post. You know, <laughs> maximum's three. Yeah. No. No, you see some posts with loads. Have you ever yeah, seen yeah. the posts, and when you see who they tag, they put all the tags on top of each other? Yes. So it's yeah. like, it's like <laughs> hiding. They go hiding behind one of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird play, that. I don't quite understand why you do that. It's very Maybe strange. they won't notice. <laughs> yeah. Morocco, ah, um, what have you got? Um, this guy is trying to get his work out there, but he's not a big fan of social media. I mean, I think the reality is... Uh, that, you know, word of mouth had its place when that's how people communicated. And I think it's a matter of trying to engage with the 20th or tw- what, 2020? <laughs> Whatever you in, want. In the year that we live in, I was like, 20th century? What are we in? We are in the 20th century. Okay. 21st so, century. We're in the 21st. 21st century. 21st. Sorry. I don't see. That's why I didn't want to say it. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I'm not smart enough. Anyways, you're but, peppier in, during the day. You're peppier than when we when we normally. When we I've been normally, up for like six hours. <laughs> this is a different miracle. <laughs> when we normally get him wide awake, baby. He, we wide got him awake. on a Sunday morning, and he's a little bit quiet. But now it's he's full of fucking energy. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I think I, th- I, I think it's about uh I think it's about communicating. So like I was saying, all right. So word of mouth had its place. It still kind of has its place, um, but I think also more people are interacting and engaging through social media, through Twitter, through Facebook, through Instagram, and that's you know as much as you may hate it. Unfortunately, like yeah, there are tons of people who who are introverts who hate being at shows. Um, I was just listening to Full Blast and Jeff was talking to Mert Tanzu and and Mert hates crowds. He hates people. I mean, I'm sure he loves some people, but it for the most part, it's it's not an enjoyable experience for him. But he has to do it. Mm. But I don't remember where I was going with that. <laughs> You're like crazy. You sound totally Gary crazy. Joined the, joined the show, I was thinking. <laughs> now, and you guys built me up, and now I'm all excited. Anyways, but you got to do what you got to do. So, I mean, I guess I, guess, I guess the point is, like, this is the way that people are communicating. And we're, uh, and, and so you, this is where you got to do it. This is, and, and the opportunity to reach so many people. And the fact that it's free. You know, Blade Show is great. Anymore, though, like for me personally, it's about just networking with other makers and people I follow on Instagram and and stuff like that. 
that costs a lot of money to go down to that show to get a hotel room to, for the flights, for the food, for the drinks, everything. Instagram is it it costs your own time. However many, mm. even if it takes you thirty minutes to post something, that's thirty minutes of your time versus two to three thousand dollars of money. He's to go to a show. His thing is about the Facebook groups. Just stay away from those. Yes, yeah, I I'd agree. say so. They are yeah. kind of messy. Well, the other thing is, is like you know, in regards to Blade Show and Mert. I mean, Mert and Kev and all the all the guys from Australia. I mean, the the oh, expense fuck. to come yeah. over, and they don't just come for like a weekend. They'll oh, no, they'll stay here for they'll stay like for month. like for months. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's just like the the pressure to have to fucking sell. The Facebook groups are full shit. I mean, you know, a normal a normal a normal customer is not going to be on a nice Facebook group. No. Yeah. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're not. They're not. They're just. I mean, like any per any normal person on a <laughs> a nice Facebook group. They got a few screws loose. I mean, <laughs> come on. I mean, you know. Yeah. And I think you've also got to consider that social media to me isn't just a selling tool. It's, it's the community as well. You learn so much as well. And we, we talked about this on um, XY, XYZ, the other podcast that I do with Aaron Goff. And we, we had a similar question about social media, that kind of thing. And to me, it's it's about community as well. And sort of, you know, I would never would have met you two guys if it weren't for social media. And, you know, I wouldn't be learning so much from you guys if it weren't for social media. So think of it that way as well. Okay, you invest in your time, but you can also take a lot back from it as well, not just, you know, gaining customers. Yeah. All right. Sickening, sickening. <laughs> Which part's sickening? Your drink, your, the, the drink. I think you just the mix them both together again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Josh Scott says, "What's up, KTP? Late question submission. How would you guys determine whether the right time to make a bigger equipment purchase for your shop, press, power hammer, or something like that? Obviously, you have to have the money, but other than that, what would you take into consideration? Thanks, JSK out." Out. Oh. Power. I think power is definitely a consideration. All right? Because especially like some of the, if you get like an, uh, what is it? Not anding. But, uh, uh, oh, maybe it is anding. Anyways, like a power hammer. Some power hammers run on like three-phase power. And if you don't have that, then you have to invest in either a converter or getting power ran to you. Um, yeah. I, would, I, I think I would that be concerned he... about power. I think that he's more worried about like in your business. When is the right time to make an investment on a big piece of equipment to scale up? Kind you know, of mm. um, it's a difficult one because depends. You know what style you're making, that kind of thing. And yeah, um, I'm always looking for the latest and greatest sort of toy to make my life a bit easier. Um, whereas other people are far more traditional, and they, you know, that's their thing. So it depends on the person as much as the business, but um, yeah, you can you can always do that calculation on the, you know on the, on the back of a receipt, you know, of how many knives I'd need to make to recoup this cost, and then you think, well, would having this machine help me sell those extra knives? You know, that's the most basic calculation you could make. Um, I mean, who am I to give Josh advice? Have you seen his knives recently? They're beautiful, beautiful. He does a nice job. Yeah, he does good work. I mean, with those googly eyes, it's amazing. <laughs> the dreamy eyes, just swimming in them. I mean, well, fine. 
<laughs> Are you on like the cocaine or something? <laughs> like, wearing, like you're like you're like all over the place. It's great. <laughs> high energy, high energy. Josh is sitting on his anvil with pill jam blasting in the background, <laughs> thinking, "What am I going to spend my money on, man? What am I going to spend my money on?" <laughs> I, I think that I mean, for me, I'm generally a cheapskate, and I like to really think about the efficiency, and then I weigh it. I weigh my time against, you know, what I'm doing for the future. Obviously, if it's something that you're not going to do for the future, it's a mistake. But, like, I was just thinking about when when Marek was talking about doing the sand mine, I was thinking, isn't that why a lot of, a lot of people get those, like, rollers, those rolling presses? Sure. And I thought, and in my mind I was thinking, you know, those things are so sweet, and I would imagine, I would imagine that they're great for sand mine because they, the pressure is kind of the, in the same spot. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure, but... I was thinking about, I would think about like, what would make my job easier? You know, one of the reasons why I got a power hammer, a, a tire hammer, was to make my job easier. Of course, I haven't used it in, <laughs> in six months, but fine. I mean, it wasn't like a $20,000 investment. I think hmm. that, I think that looking at your, looking at where you want to go and what can get you to where you need to be is the way to look at it. And obviously, yes, you look at, can I fit this machine in my shop or can I, how can I get it into my shop or how can I power it? Or those things are, those things are important too, but a lot of it's, you know, investing. It's always investing. It's investing, looking for the payoff down the line. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. If you're looking to move a power hammer, um, don't ask Will Stelter. That's, that's the main thing. Yeah, <laughs> girl. Yeah. You're brutal. <laughs> brutal. <laughs> I watched that again this week just because it's it's heartbreaking and oh jeez. Sorry good content. Uh, good content. It is very good content. Let's get quizzical. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, I told you I knew it. Um I knew Marekko. it. Marekko, you're back on. Yeah. Are you ready? <clears throat> Find the Let's do it. T minus one minute. What did Frosty the Snowman do when a magic hat was placed on his head? Saying happy birthday. No, behind it on surround. What is Ralphie's Ralphie's little brother name in the movie A Christmas Story? I don't pass. Randy. Which Christmas song contains the lyric Everyone dancing merrily in the new old-fashioned way? Pass. Rocking around the Christmas tree. What are you supposed to do when you find yourself under the mistletoe? Kiss somebody. Which one of Santa's reindeer has the same name as another holiday mascot? Pass. Cupid. Which country started the tradition of putting up a Christmas tree? T minus 20 seconds. Pass. Yeah, Germany. In the song Winter Wonderland, what do we call the snowman? Parker Brown? Parson Brown. Parson Brown. In the song Winter Wonderland, oh, in the movie Elf, what was the first rule of the Code of Elves? Pass. Treat every day like Christmas. Dude, these questions are corny and hard. <laughs> They're getting harder and harder. <laughs> I, I didn't get corny one, did and I? harder. Mareko had one. Oh, it did get one. He began to dance around Frosty the Snowman. This is the corniest shit. I'm going to get so many phone no, calls. No, no, I got that wrong. I said happy birthday. <laughs> Sunset, Sunset is going to call me. He doesn't say happy birthday for Christmas. Yeah, well, you had, the... no, you did have one right. Began to dance around Frosty the Snowman. I'm sure you did. No. Sunset is going to call me up and say, "That's a corny, some corny shit right here." Go, go ahead, give it to me. <laughs> he still listen. He didn't unsubscribe. He still listens. <laughs> I, I don't know. that very much. <laughs> it's a, quite a Christmas party. Also, I'll say, I don't know how I feel about you taking up my quiz time with your answering. 
<laughs> I'm just gonna say I've, cha- I've changed tacks lately. That's a yes. fucking good point. That's a v- very fucking just, good point. I heard you doing that to Jeff earlier, and I was like, "Huh, that's interesting." <laughs> All right, well, there you go. I we do have listeners, so I will be giving the answers. Okay. All right. Are we ready? Yeah, Jeffrey? all the time. What was the highest-grossing Christmas movie of all time? Scrooged. Home Alone. <laughs> Whose eyes are all aglow in the Christmas song? Jesus. Tiny Tots. Oh, I was saying that was my answer was Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> How many gifts in total were given in the 12 days of Christmas song? Oh, you'll never guess. Uh, 364. Thanks. Which fairy tale was the first gingerbread house inspired by? You. I don't have no idea. Hansel and Gretel. In the movie A Christmas Story, what was the name of the neighbours whose dog ate the Christmas turkey? Uh, I thought I remembered. I don't remember. It's like Flangmore or something like that. The Bumpuses. Oh, the Bumpuses, yeah. How do you say Merry Christmas in Spanish? Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Look at what, was, what did the word and idea Chris Mucca come from? Chris Mucca? A, a mixture of Christmas and Hanukkah? The OC. I don't know what that means. What is the name of the last ghost that visits Scrooge in A Christmas Carol? The, the ghost of Christmas present. No, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. So, turns out I'm, I'm doing a podcast with the thickest people I've ever met. <laughs> I, I want to fucking give you a quiz, you <laughs> mental patient. <laughs> okay, well, Mareko, I thought, had one, but he's since changed his score to zero. And Jeff, you had one. So we are at five four yeah. to Morocco. Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Just keep talking. Call talk for a second. I'm gonna give you a fucking quiz. <laughs> <laughs> you were Googling now. I'm fucking gonna give you a goddamn quiz. <laughs> Google oh, I Jesus can hear his thumbs typing in. Christmas quiz. It's exactly what I did three <laughs> minutes before Dude, we come live. You know what? I got the same one you got. It's funny. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Now I know all the answers. <laughs> not surprising. <laughs> hey, I'm not cheating I'm, now. I'm not Do I need to go with it too? No, 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 no. Jesus. No, 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 no. You should okay. ask him Hanukkah hey, questions. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> okay, let's do another question. Sam Lapland, which is very Christmassy. Sam Lapland. Hey, guys, I've got a question for the podcast. We all know that dishwashers are bad for knives, but how do you deal with chef knives, especially Craig's? I understand that one-offs are washed by hand, but how about the bigger amounts that are used by customers in restaurants? Can they withstand those industrial washes? And he says, thanks, Smid Sam Lapland. First off, why does Lapland have to do with Christmas? People sitting on laps? Lapland? You don't know why Lapland, Lapland is in Sweden. That's where Father Christmas comes from. The real Father Christmas. Lapland. That's I have no idea. Christmas. Mm. Sorry. Wow. Lapland is, is Christmas Village. That's That's... Yeah. I got a quiz Christmas for you. Give me it. 30 seconds on the board. <laughs> Craig, give me 30 seconds on the board. I don't have a 30 I've only got a minute give me a minute. or 10 seconds. Re- you ready? Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Go. Which animal carried Mary th- before she gave birth to Jesus? A donkey. Which world leader celebrates his birthday on Christmas Day? T-minus Trump. <laughs> when did... You know the funny thing is I don't have the answers. <laughs> I've got you, two right there. When do you right. have the... You think that's one right. You got one right. When did the 12 days of Christmas T-minus start? 40 oh, um, the 22nd. No. Uh, which which country annually sends Christmas tree to be erected in the London's T-minus Trafalgar Square? Seconds. France. I don't know. <laughs> which monarch... I made a mistake. Which monarch <laughs> delivered the first royal T-minus Christmas Day message? 
King George. I, okay, which which country is Chris? <laughs> I mean, I fucked this whole thing up. I've got four rights, I'm sure of it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> which country credited with starting the Christmas tree tradition? Uh, Sweden. And uh, which year was the first Christmas card sent? Oh, Jesus. It probably still hasn't arrived if it was sent from France. Um, 1890. Okay, so you got donkey... Right. I found the answers. Six. You got donkey right. Oh, you got... Uh, Norway was the right answer. It was the answer, so you got that one wrong. King George V. Did you say King Forge George V? I said King George. Uh, I'll yeah. give you that. So what's two? Germany was the next qu answer. You guys there? What's going on? I don't know. Indian Ocean. Capricorn. I fucked this whole fucking thing up. <laughs> that didn't work too well. Fucking terrible. This is a perfect Christmas party. I fucking destroyed that. Let's get back to Sam Lapland. And now oh. we just lost Morocco. We've lost Morocco. Oh, jeez. This is some Christmas party, man. This is a motherfucker. You've gone out to be sick beyond the bins, I think. <laughs> Do we uh, want to keep going or? Yeah, he'll jump. He'll jump back in now. Yeah. Um, so, so the question: Morocco's back. There he is. He's back. There he is. He's I'm back. back. Right. Sorry about that. Okay. We thought you'd popping out to be sick behind this the bins. Literally, is like the, a drunken Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What are we going to talk? Are you okay? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Jesus Christ. Do you need a sippy cup? <laughs> <sighs> where were we? Train Sam wreck. Lapland. Okay. Lapland. Sam. Um, talking about dishwashers. Uh, yeah, dishwashers and chef knives. You two go first because I've got a very good answer for this. Very good, if I say so myself. I mean, I'll just I'm, go ahead. I'll just wait for Craig. I, I I I think it's a tough spot because in a restaurant, I those those the washing the washing machines in the restaurants go a lot hard, hotter than your home restaurant uh, your home washing machine. Yeah. So I get a little bit worried about that, and depending on you know wooden, if it's wood, I wouldn't stick them in the mic in the microwave, and I wouldn't stick them in the in the in the dishwasher. But like yeah. Craig's way more, Craig is way more uh, good for this question. <laughs> <laughs> I test a lot before because basically I have a range of knives that I'll do you know a limited run on or whatever. Um, but in the new year, I've got a a range which will be permanent stock, um, and that's going to be a chef knife. Um, and I've put mine through 56 cycles of the, and I, and I know this because I did it this week. Um, it's had 56 cycles of like a dish, you know, a home dishwasher, and it still looks brand, brand new. So the reason for that is it's obviously a stainless blade. Um, this particular one is 14C28N, um, which if Sam Lapland, if he's in Lapland, he'll know um, 14C28N because it's a Sandvik steel and that's in Sweden. Same as Lapland, um, but also it's G10 um, and it's using bolts, Corby bolts as well, um, and I'm using G Flex as a as a as a glue, um, and yeah, 56 washes um, through the dishwasher and it still looks brand new. There's no sign of anything coming apart, um, no sort of gaps that you'd get with wood where it shrinks and you get this horrible little gap gap on the spine. Um, looks looks brand new, um, but I would still would deter people from putting them in a dishwasher. Uh, simply because most dishwashers have those crappy little sort of cutlery caddy things that you put all your cutlery in, you stick it in the dishwasher, um, and they just rattle around each other. So all, all the different cutleries can be rattling, 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 and that's going to, you know, if that's hitting your edge, it's going to dull your edge. Um, it's also going to mar your finishes as well. So any finishes would, you, you know, it's almost like stonewashing stuff. Um, so, as yeah, 
it probably wouldn't if you're using G10 a good glue and bolts and a stainless it probably wouldn't do any uh, mechanical damage to the knife um, it would it'd purely be uh, visual um, but yeah and you know the same when, when it comes to things like I do a lot of table knives for restaurants um, I simply say you know don't don't and most restaurants they use what they call like a three bowl technique right um, where mm. they go from bowl to bowl to bowl um, so they're not putting them in dishwashers for the wooden handle stuff anyway uh, so yeah you so you should be good but it, it is just sort of informing your customer really about you know it's not a good idea to put them in a dishwasher anyway that, that's my, my thinking perfect there we go anybody want to take the next one Alex Loney Alex Loney says, I have a question about forging Damascus. How significant is the carbon loss in the steel after the steel is folded two or three times? I forge by hand, so it takes me about six hours. That's all you, big guy. Uh, I mean, I think that's a bad <laughs> question for Laren Thomas. Um, but I would imagine, I mean, it depends on what steel you're starting with and the carbon content of that steel. And honestly, like, while we freak out and worry about carbon loss, it's not moving really that fast. I mean, I sometimes when I'm making my Damascus patterns, it takes like four days of forging. And that's Jesus not four days Christ. solid. Well, it's some of the patterns I'm making take a lot of time to create. And that's a lot of time in the forge. I think a lot of it has to do, one, with the, the starting carbon content, two, the amount of time, but actually also the atmosphere of your forge. If you're running a more neutral or carburized atmosphere, which is more um, fuel-rich atmosphere, and you'll know if it's f fuel-rich or not. If you if It's fuel-rich when you see like a flame kind of coming out of the front. That is the excess fuel leaving the forge to combust. It's looking for oxygen so that it can actually burn. It's still hot enough, that gas, as it's leaving, and it it's burning outside of the forge. So you'll know, and you don't need a lot of that. You, you Like what, maybe four inches of that. Um, and it's green, that right? Will, it's usually it will usually be green because of the iron oxide. Okay, actually, that's inside of the forge. Hmm. Um, and yeah, all different oxides create different colors coming out of the forge. Um, so, but honestly, is if you're as long as you're forging within a, a reasonable range realm, um, range. I like realm. I was thinking. I was, thinking, <laughs> I was channeling Ra Craig. Range. Realm is good. How do you spell range? Range. Then you just gotta put it in the forge really hot. Uh, no, but in your initial forging or your welding rounds, you want it to be hot, and it's going to be more than where you want it to be when you after you set the weld and then continue forging to draw out the billet and whatnot. I usually start really hot for the initial round of forge welding, and then I pull it down um, to where it's maybe – I wish I had a thermocouple in my forge, but I think it's hovering around 2,000, 2,100 degrees, so it's not too hot. It's hot enough to bring the billet up without sucking the heat out of the forge when I put that cold billet back in. But uh, it's not so hot that it's just sitting in there cooking and losing all the carbon. So I don't have a great answer for this. But That's a good just answer. just don't worry about mm. it. <laughs> don't worry about it. That's why Dharma Steel costs so much. If people spend in six hours or multiple days forging out billets, geez. Okay, Tim Lee is the next one. Hey, guys, can I ask you a question? 
So I listened to uh, the Jeff Investigates about. Gee, that was some time ago. Jeff Investigates. Ago. That was like two years ago. <laughs> yeah, about anvils, and you all ended up, as I understand, recommending a larger anvil if cost is not an issue, because the anvil won't jump or move on you. But when we built our shop, we set a steel post into the concrete with the intention of welding or bolting a small anvil to the top of it someday. Is there a reason you'd think this wouldn't serve the same purpose? Uh, thank for y'all time. Love the podcast. It's fine. Long time listener. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, uh, the idea behind a small anvil is a part of it is so you can move it. But the problem is, is a small, and you know, you can afford it. The problem is, is it can jump around. But unless you figure out a way to not let it jump around, there you can bolt your, you can bolt, you can make a, uh, you can make stands that bolt to the ground. I've seen that before. Whatever it takes. I mean, there. Uh, I know Pat Quinn has these bridge anvils that are mounted to the concrete uh, floor. They're 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 poured into the floor them itself. So, yeah, give them hell. Or you can just turn on House of Pain and just go with it. Way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've got nothing on that. Um, yeah, whatever it takes. I mean, honestly, my anvil moves around. It's on a three post anvil stand but it still like kind of jiggles and jives around when i'm forging on it and i just got to move it every once in a while i don't know there's probably a better system but i don't worry about it too much i like to be able to move mine around a little bit because sure. you're know, getting them out of the way a lot of it's to get them out of yeah. the way but it's like it is annoying when they're like moving around i don't like oh. that i like when i go to uh, john's john and cliff they have some anvils that are they ain't moving. And the difference between a moving anvil, a mo- an anvil that has movement, that just kind of m- just moves a little bit, and not is a different ballgame. It's so much better. So n- weld your, you know, bolt your shit to the, to the post in the ground and give them hell. And get good insurance on your truck if you're driving into the uh, <laughs> your shot. Shut the fuck up. Jesus. <laughs> I didn't drive in an anvil, <laughs> goddamn it. Yeah, move it around so you can smash your headlights. Yeah. Uh. Boo. Primo Sorry. Knife Co. <laughs> Knife Company um, says, Hey guys, I absolutely love the show. I found out about two weeks ago and I haven't stopped listening. But I've got a question. When you're working with a blade that you etch with acid, Damascus or a monosteel, you dip the entire piece, but then when I glue up to the handle scales, um, there'll be epoxy on the tang and scales. And when I clean everything up on the belt grinder, I lose my etch on that part of the handle. Should I re-etch the tang after the handle is done, I just assume the acid would hurt and stain the handle material. What should I do to keep the tang etched uh, like the blade? Keep up the great content. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I'm sure, I mean, if you've listened to a few shows, you would eventually get to this answer because we've answered this one a few times, but um, Morocco's going to give you a good answer for this one. I'll try. Uh, I would try to do what you can so you can remove that handle material... It sounds like he's talking about a full tang. Right. But whether or not it's a full tang or a hidden tang, if you have this concern about the, especially the handle material getting stained, and it will get stained, um, if you don't, especially if you don't mask it off, um, you have to figure out how to be able to remove that. On a hidden tang, you can do a what's called like a, a dry fit up, um, and and so you can kind of wax the tang and this is actually a tip i got from nick wheeler bow, bow, bow. um where <laughs> you he put that in a while yeah <laughs> you put some wax on the tang you glue everything up and then um 
and then you kind of heat heat it back up so you can pull the handle back off. You can work it separately if that's more comfortable for you. You can etch the blade separate from the handle material. That's also great. Um, and then when it comes to a full tang, um, you want to use basically uh, bolts that you can that are kind of recessed into your handle material. Say you have like the recessed pins for a Corby bolt. You want to have some recessed pins that you can then take apart and pull that handle material off after you've done your shaping. And then instead of etching and then handle shaping and then going back to etching, you just handle shape and then you etch. And then you put the handle scales back on for a final glue up and then you can wipe off any excess that you need to wipe away. Um, in the final glow up, but you don't have to worry about having to do any more work um, at least around the boundaries of the handles. You might have to clean up around the bolts, but that's nowhere close to the tang um, and you can clean those up pretty easily without coming in contact with the tang. One little thing that I would add because I wanted I, I'm going to start to do it. I did it and now I'm going to do it more is make sure that your Corby bolts, the female end is tight into the hole of the tang so there's no slop because when you reattach everything this what are you laughing about <laughs> what are you laughing about did i say something I funny something. i still, i thought i just thought of th something funny well the, the you know because because if it, if there's if there's room in the corbys when you glue it final glue it up it might move around just enough that it's going to be annoying and then you can't really touch it up on the on the on the when it's all glued up so yeah, you want to make so. sure that that is the shaft is tight in the tang hole. <laughs> is that better? That's, yeah, that's, we went there. Um, I had a nightmare <laughs> this week, actually, um, with, with glue-ups and Corby bolts. Uh, so um, I, I wasn't doing any more work so send out, um, but people had heard that I was going back to the UK, and, and a few people reached out and said, if you come back to the UK... You know, would you bring anything back with you? So I thought, well, I, I can do two or three knives. So I did this week, um, still rushing when I should have slowed down, and I didn't dry fit at all. And um, so I had the, the blades finished, I had the handles finished, all laid out, all cleaned up, ready to go, glued them up without a dry fit like a fool, um, put the Corbys in, and they just felt a bit tight. I was like, oh, that's fine, that's fine. That's glued them up, started wrenching on the Corbys, and they just wouldn't turn at all. Um, and I think the problem was my um, the, the step bit that I used with the Corbys, because I've been using G10 a lot lately, that had just worn down. Right. Mm. So therefore, the hole was that little bit smaller, and yep. I just couldn't get a crank on the on these Corbys. And everything is 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 wet with, with epoxy, and it's a 20-minute epoxy. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. So everything just went out the window, ripped these, ripped the scales off, um, managed to grind down a drill bit um, to replace the step bit um, whilst everything still had epoxy on it so my, <sighs> my the, the table of my drill press was just full of epoxy I got epoxy in my hair you know and it was just it was literally oh everywhere God. and I was thinking I need to do this like super super fast before this dries and just makes everything shit I'm trying to keep everything clean as well because obviously the epoxy needs everything to be it was just a complete nightmare um, yeah so that was a lesson learned um, always do a dry fit, and also have have spares of those step bits because when they when they uh, um, wear down, um, you're not really aware of it until you start trying to fit the trying to fit the bolts. That's a big one. Yeah, the, the they get yes, mm. that sucks. So so you had like a something about Mary moment with the epoxy. Basically, basically, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and honestly, this epoxy was everywhere. And I was just like, oh fuck, 
it was, oh, it was horrible horrible and just complete panic and normally i've got everything laid out and everything's you know everything's quite calm when it comes to glue up but this was just just i feel like i can see you like yeah stressing out and then you run your hands through your hair to try to calm down and think about it (laughs) yeah yeah shit oh that's not not good at all no do you want to take the next one uh sure this comes from sage mambuka Hey boys, question for you. I'm working on a knife build right now, and I uh, that will have a copper bolster. I was wondering how it'll fare over time in regards to oxidation. Should I coat it in clear resin or something, or am I overthinking this? Thanks again. The show makes making worth making. Nice. Um, it's gonna change. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. change, girl. It's, it's gonna hey, change. Hey girl, it's yeah. gonna change, girl. Um, but I quite like that. I, I quite like that. Um, you know, a tool will sort of change over time, and, and, and you know, you'll get this sort of you know, patina, I suppose it would be. Um, but I, well, yeah, I'd never cover it in epoxy. That would just be or a resin. Sorry, that that would just seem quite strange on on copper. But I don't know what you well, guys think. I, I think that anything that you put on that doesn't like it get absorbed, it just ends up rubbing off anyway. Oh. You know. Mm-hmm. But like, I heard you like <laughs> glugged right there. Which one are you glugging right there? <laughs> that, was that was the last. That was the last. Of the it, was like, that was it was like it was like a you know that strong bit at the bottom. Yeah. That was that, that was that. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't like a hum. It was like a. It was like a. Oh. <laughs> that was the watermelon dropping. I'll, I'll do it again just for the listeners. No, it's still gross. <laughs> no copper. Yeah, don't don't put it in. Just let it let it, be, let it do its thing. It's gonna be. Mm. It's, that's the whole point. I mean, look at the Statue of Liberty. It's yeah. green. It's the way it is. Yeah. I mean, I use I use bronze. I've used copper. I've used brass. I've used all kinds of stuff. And part of the communication, I think, like going back to Jeff's, um, kind of imp- anticipating the customer's expectations or whatever, um, is to just be transparent about that in, in your early conversation and let them know. And I, you know, just like Craig said, I I enjoy it and I I take it as part of like the a- antiquing or kind of showing use and the history and kind of the journey of using that knife or that tool or whatever. Um if you want to clean it up, if anybody wants to clean it up, it's super easy though. You can get polishing cloths, there are all kinds of stuff if somebody really cares about it being bright and shiny. So mm-hmm. I would not worry about putting some sort of coat over it because I mean, get some Tarnex and a cotton ball. You're good. Like, and then wash your knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about um, this folded knife that I that I'll be coming out in sort of January, February. Um, I've been thinking about using brass for scales. Um, and you know, part of it is thinking a knife's going to live in a pocket, and it's going to get you know brass is you know it's quite soft. It's going to get beat up, and um, you know the ed- the edges they may sort of maybe chip a little bit, and they'll round off a little bit more. But but I do quite like that, and I'm thinking. Yeah, go with it. Go with it. It's what the material is. For sure. But you know that's brass. But if you want a a grinder that works like gold, <laughs> but it's the cost of brass, <laughs> you need to go to Broadback Ironwork. Tell them, Jeff. Merry Christmas from Broadback Ironworks. Go to get their two by seventy two grinder. I love those guys. Actually, Ryan just sent me a hat. I have to send him a hat back. But there, those guys are good dudes. Um, Ryan and Vince make a beautiful machine. It works vertically. It works horizontally. It's got very. It's very intuitive. Um, the shipping is included in the uh, in the in the price. So you don't have to worry about that. And then if you're going to Canada, they worked out a special flat rate deal for that. Um, 
everything's very intuitive and all the parts are very usable. They're great. They're knife makers that make knife knife making grinders for knife makers. But if you're not, if you're just a sculptor, if you're like a woodworker, you could make it happen with that too. What do you think, Mareko? I mean, if you're a spoon carver, you can use the damn things. Yeah. Whoa, air compressor. <laughs> oh, easy. <laughs> easy. <laughs> Jeez. Have mercy in a party until the compressor goes off. <laughs> I was really excited about the Broadback grinder. But uh, what what I really love and appreciate about my gr- bot, blah, 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 Broadback grinder, trying to talk too fast, is that um, I, so I already have like a rotary platen. I also have a platen that I built myself. I have other tool arms that I've built myself that I can use in that Broadback. And also, if you don't have, like, you don't need the chassis, but you already have a chassis that takes a one-and-a-half-inch arm, Broadback's arms can transfer over to that. So, I, I mean, it's hard, to, it's hard to beat that, something with that kind of flexibility. And company that's thinking about, um, you know, just trying to make your shop space as practical as possible. Hmm. There you go. BroadbackIronworks.com, Knife Talk 10, gets you 10% off. Gold for the price of brass. They can they can have that. They can have yeah, that. I'm, I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll <laughs> give it back to you. <laughs> um, whilst we're talking gold, combat abrasives. We all use combat abrasives. Um, they're the best abrasives out there. Um, very economical belts. Their shredders are incredible. They just eat through the steel. Um, but you can also get um, your shredders or any belts from combat abrasives for fifteen percent off if you use knife talk fifteen at combatabrasives.com. Uh, so go take a look. Um, and yeah, you definitely won't regret it. And then now will be an ad for some <laughs> AT and T or something. Somebody will leave us a message about <laughs> they don't like it. <laughs> they get mad Probably. about the advertisements. We gotta pay for Christmas bells, you know. You know, I was um, so um, some some people might might know who listen that um, I edit all the shows for the for the makery and um, the handmade podcast this week. They were talking about ads and they were listening to a podcast and there was there was just like loads and loads of ads stacked up and they were just like, I hate it when there's loads of ads on and things like that. I'm like, I'm gonna put an ad right in the middle of this conversation. So I did. I dropped one right in. So Chris Zapp says something. You got to do what you got to do. And as he says that, they drop an ad in. That is awesome. Absolutely perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. That is perfect. Uh, okay, back to questions. Well, I get, Justin, I get dilemmas and ramblings if you want them. Oh, oh. Things that make you go. Hmm. So you can send us dilemmas. And your and your you know ramblings or whatever, and we we can read them all off. So this one comes from Dimitri K Y Tent K Y K Y Tent. I don't think it's K Y. I think it's K Y Jelly K Y Tent K Y Tent. Easy. We're gonna we're gonna get rid of more no more apologies for the end of the year. Please please. Uh, I have a small dilemma. I'm a beginning knife maker with no aspirations of making it a part or full time job. I would also uh, like to buy. Uh, I also like to buy interesting knives to play with from various makers when funds allow. My dilemma is I really want a particular knife from a small knife maker who does not take custom orders, and what he rarely posts, he sells out in five seconds. I know I can try to make a copy of his design on my own myself, but could I or should I share the product on social media? I don't want to step on anyone's toes. But I do like to share my progress with other people in the community. Thanks for all you do, Dimitri. So, <laughs> you want to get somebody's knife, 
and then he couldn't get it because they got sold out too much too quick and he thought maybe i should just make it myself sounds like i mean is that mm. what he's doing already is he gathering these knives to do r and d I mean, or is he actually is, like you have to go them? with you have to go within the confines of what I read. I, there's, I mean, I don't interview these people before they send these things. I mean, I can't. <laughs> there's no follow-ups. There's not enough time in my life to be doing all that. So, um, I don't. Think there's ever a legitimate reason to copy somebody else's work. I, 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 you know, I don't think there's there's any need for that. Um, I don't know if you really want this guy's work and you just can't get get anything just send you know contact him i'm sure whoever it is you know they want to sell their work and okay they may not take custom orders but be persistent you know and if you show some love don't do the opposite and try to rip him off because you'll never get his work if you if you wanted to post his the the your version of his knife i think the key is to be as be as respectful as possible and and being Mm. saying that I really love this guy's knife, and I've been dying to get one for a long time. I decided I wanted to make one, and this is my my interpretation of his knife, and then the credit for the design goes to him. I think sure. that if you're as as you know, if you're as thoughtful and respectful as possible, you will probably get more respect from other people. But you're not going to get this guy mad at you because that's what's going to happen. Because Mareka's going to send you a message. Send the dude a message and say he's ripping you off. He's gonna get mad. <laughs> he's gonna tell. He's gonna, he gonna go out of his way to make sure yeah. that person knows, That's Dimitri, it. that you're you're not playing playing I'll the put way. You on blast. He, he get blackball yeah. you. It's not good. I'll block so, you. I'm I think that as joking. as completely honest and respectful as possible is the way to go. Because yeah, you you you're probably proud of the work that you're doing, and I think that that's great. But as long as you are as proud, as as respectful as possible to the person whose knife you're making, that's the most important thing. Sure. Mm. Well, and I think Jeff, you would appreciate, especially being an art student, and when it comes to uh, just learning techniques, um, I guarantee, you, like you go through the different artists and their different approaches. I, I feel like that we very easily can be the same thing for knife makers and whether or not you make that public i think like just like jeff said if you if you do want to make it public you you should try to make sure you're basically not looking like a ripoff artist but i think if you're trying to find your voice if you see things that inspire you and you want to get a better feel for that approach or that technique or those shapes in the handle or the kind of grind in the blade whatever do them um and 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 learn as much as you can but i think ultimately i think it sounds uh, ideally and hopefully like it's just somebody just trying to find their voice and understanding what they want i guess kind of what kind of statement they want to make about knives and how they perform and cut and whatnot um but yeah i was in a postgraduate critique about 10 years ago and we were all around painters and sculptors and we were one ten years, twenty at least. <laughs> Take that fucking watermelon and shove it straight up your ass. Listen to you me. You said postgrad. I said postgraduate. Oh, you did. You're right, actually. It was, yeah. It was, okay. yeah, it was. It was probably closer to eight years, but I, what am I going to? I'm going to say ten. Fine. So we were all sitting around, and one per, one artist would bring in something, and we'd 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 have a critique about it and talk about it, you know just dissect it, everything like that. So this woman brought in this awful painting of this gray canvas. <laughs> 
with this white orb and then this and then this you know a white circle and then this line and these lines with paint behind it just was it was it wasn't for me but i didn't you know and it was like i was talking to my friend andy and i was just like this, i hope this fucking this is not a trend the next week another guy in the critique brought the same painting in and oh pretended God. it was he had just he come up with it in the dream but it was like we're all like did this fuck didn't we fucking see this last week we spent two and a half hours in the same bullshit last week but he was totally he thought that just because he had this in a dream that it was you know he there was no he did never said there was an homage to the person before him and it was just so clearly just it was it was everyone was like god what is wrong with you i mean it wasn't even i mean it wasn't thoughtful at all and it was very much along the lines of that's usually what happens what happens is, is when you copy someone and you, there's not any room for you know like if it's just a blatant ripoff when people look at it they're just like hey, he's ripping you. It's this guy off i mean it's you're gonna get it so it's the choice is yours okay yeah did you be honest, be up straight, be, you know, up front, and yeah, you can't go wrong. All right, here comes from, this one comes from Pig Iron Forge. Thanks for reading my question. The answers were pretty good and funny. Got a couple new followers and a lot, I mean a lot, of drawer queen jokes in my DMs. He, last week he was talking about his knives <laughs> being drawer queens. Hmm. Um, if you're looking for content, I was wondering how far out your own, uh, how far, how far out of your own style you're willing to go for a customer. Although you guys are more established, as a lesser-known and newer maker who needs every sale, where would you draw the line? So, like, if somebody wants something from you and they'll say, I want this and something completely <laughs> out of your fucking... Hmm. I, I generally don't do that myself anyway. I, I don't take on sort of custom orders, really. Um, I've done a few, um, but mainly I'm more focused on getting like a, like a range of knives, you know, a, a limited edition kind of 30, 50 or whatever it may be, then going on to the next one. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's a weird one because if you look at the three of us, we've got we've got particular styles. So, I mean, if somebody came to me and said they want something, you know, a forged Damascus looking really gnarly, I'd be like, well, that, that's just not what I do. So you know, if if that's the case, if it's if it's something you're not comfortable with, I, you know, point them towards somebody who does that style. Um, that's that's what I'd say. I'd, you know, don't take on something you're not comfortable with. Mm. Um, it's a weird. But one. Uh, if so, if there's a feature that you can add on, you know, it's sometimes Bottle it's usually not a not a big deal. Like I get usually Tony will send me a message saying this. There's a guy here who wants to spend a lot of money on this, but he wants this. Will you do it? And I'll say. I'll, usually I'll say I don't really do that and it's and it's not because I don't sometimes it's it's usually because I've never done it before like one guy wanted to grant an edge and I didn't even look that fucking thing up and I, you know the scallops and I was just like I'm not doing I don't know how, and I wouldn't even know how to finish those I wouldn't I if there's something that I feel like I can't do I'm just not gonna yeah. do it and and then we took we talked last week didn't we about um how you get your unique sort of style um, and I think a lot of that is is based around you know keeping to those principles of doing what you do. Um, the the minute you're doing you know weird off off you know off off sort of road stuff that you don't normally do, that's against your sort of style. So you, you you're not sort of honing in that style. So people will say that, you know I know that style that belongs to so and so. Um, yeah, so uh, you know keep keep to what you do that's that's what i'd say well this this past week i did something different for me i had a customer who wanted a uh 
hidden tang knife with a blue and green handle. And he wanted that to... Looked, that did look really well, cool, it, I gotta say. He wanted really it cool. to be something that was like the kind of what I used to call my signature scales, which were for a full tang knife, green, a, bl a royal blue with green with a green liner. But he wanted to... So I had to figure out how to do it. And I, and I had thought about it. And I had actually bought dowels, uh, the same color G10 dowels. And I had... You know, I, I went outside of my comfort zone, but it was within the confines of my, my opinions on color theory. So it was definitely something that, and, and it pushed me in a direction that I'm definitely going to do more of because it is some, one of those things that it became something that is, you know, in terms of me liking colorful stuff and kind of more about color theory and stuff like that, but it, it, it fit within the confines of the knives that I do, but it's just something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I tend to also think that when people start saying, can you make me a knife that like, you know, Jason Knight style knife? I really kind of like recoil from that because people are looking for a lot of times people are looking for a discount. Like I've heard, yeah. you know, people have actually said to me, can you make mm -hmm. me a knife like Mareko's? And I'll, and I'll say, cheaper. no, yeah. I can't. Number one, I can't. Number two, go to him. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, don't look for like, you know, bargain basement Jeff <laughs> to fucking fill the order. <laughs> But at the same time, it's just like, I can't do what he does, and I'm not going to, and, and that's just the way it is. Sometimes I can't even do what I do. <laughs> it's a fucking pain <laughs> in the ass. Sometimes I have to do it two or three times. It sucked. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's the other thing. I, I, you get to the point where, like, if somebody wanted, I, somebody said, you know, so for, I like the, what I like about the custom knives is if a person says, I really want this to be, I want the handle to be shorter, or I want the, 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 the heel to be longer, or I want the the nose to be a, you know you know very stiff or I want you know those little things you know are like blunt you know I don't want the this part I can do that and I like that's the best part about it but at the same time it's just like when it turns when it turns into styles can you make me this guy's style you just got to say mm. no sure. unless you're going to get you're, yeah. you're going to get trouble yeah definitely definitely okay uh yes Nice, nice transition. There. I, got, I have more. I have more. I have more. If you want them, I things that make you go. I actually, I've been sent a lot of. A number of months ago, we actually did a. Uh, we did an episode with a with a Florida professor who was uh, looking for the Zodiac Killer, and we did the funniest part. If you listen to that, the funniest part about this is like they, he, this this professor was it Professor Chris. His name? <laughs> the, he was topless on the bed. Yeah. Number one, he 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 up. he was not wearing a shirt when he was doing it. Apparently, and and only only uh, Craig could, could see him. And he had like a big like <laughs> what he had like a Slurpee, you know, little, <laughs> this massive yeah postcoital Slurpee. He was look well, all right. Jeez, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so he so you know they're looking for the Zodiac Killer, and apparently. Um, the math, these mathematicians, I get sent this a lot. These mathematicians, I think they're out of uh, these hob the, a group of three hobbyist cryptographers last week cracked one of the most infamous ciphers created by the Zodiac Killer. So it wasn't the, the knife didn't do it. It was the it was the Zodiac, unnamed Zodiac Killer killed five people in Northern California. Blah 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 blah. He made these ciphers, and these dudes, cryptologists, uh, who've been trying to uh, crack these ciphers. Uh, figured it out using math and stuff like that, and um, I just wanted to. It got sent to me so many times. They figured out they they kind of got closer to. I don't think they found the guy, but they cracked mm. the guy's ciphers. Um, 
Uh-huh. And nothing to do with us. P.S. So that everyone, th- so, every- so they, so they say. I'm pretty sure we got to the bottom of that case. <laughs> well, that the show. funny part was, is, as everyone sent it to me, and then I just immediately said, "Well, you know, I mean, it was, it was clearly Jared Thatcher's is is <laughs> responsible for all this, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Jared Thatcher is the guy." So, um, yeah. here's some, here's another one. Okay, this one comes from W. Crumb. W. Crumb says, "I always said I'll, I'd never stop taking orders." I'd back them up for two years because that's guaranteed work. But I'm starting to get a good backlog, and I'm feeling overwhelmed. I feel like I can't try things that I want to try for the first time because I have people waiting. I've heard Mareko in the past episodes mention that he wished that he'd shut his orders off. Just wanting some more input on whether y'all think it would hurt my business to turn people away. Thanks. Love the show, Wesley. Uh, I think if you do it right, it's not going to hurt your business. Yeah, I I admire guys like uh, like Dave and Luke over Bloodroot Blades. You know they've been they've had more than enough interest in their work for goddamn like the last decade. It feels like you know um, I I wish I had shut my orders down a long time ago because I I guess part of the reason I didn't is because I was. I mean, more than anything, and just like ins- insecure and unsure, like this things are hot now, but what happens six months down the road and nobody's interested anymore or something happens, something changes. And so I was like, I just got to keep taking these backlogs. But the reality is that um, there was enough, I, I, I'd done enough to create enough demand and interest in my work that I could have stopped taking custom orders and still had enough demand that even if I wasn't fulfilling a custom order, whatever it was I was building, and this still happens now. Whenever I post pictures of finished products, I have at least a dozen to 20 people saying, I want that knife. And it's it, it's it's not available because it's an order I was fulfilling from whatever, two, three years ago. But mm-hmm. that just shows me that there's still enough interest. There's still enough demand for the stuff, for the the work I'm doing. That I could have taken, I could have stopped taking orders, and then have had that kind of like some of that freedom that I think a lot of custom knife makers are are vying for and hoping for, that they can, you know, they do enough work to get to the point where they can just do whatever they want, and I didn't nip that in the bud. I feel like soon enough or early enough, and and now, and I'm thankful for my list now because we're kind of in economic uncertain times right now and so I'm, I feel fortunate for it but there are there are many days where I feel like I'm buried at the bottom of a well underneath all these orders um and so it's just kind of finding that balance but I think if, if I could have or if I had known if I had known then what I know now I would have stopped taking orders um even though I went on Joe Rogan's podcast and did that I would have stopped taking orders before that because that that really was kind of like the icing on the cake that's really put me um where i'm at and i'm thankful for it but at the same time it's it's hard to have that freedom like he's talking about cuz for me like this isn't it's not just business like for me this knife making is it's what i you know i really feel like you know some people talk about their callings or 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 their you know the things that they're really meant to do in the world and i don't know how many people really find those um, but I feel like this is the one thing out of all the different stuff I've done in my life that I've been really great at. And I feel like I'm stifled in a way that I, I can't do what I, I really want to do 
and, and most of that is ex- exploration and, and kind of trying to define or, or find those limits of pattern welding and trying to re not just recreate like patterns but create new patterns and new process and and different ways of creating patterns that um that haven't really been touched on before and for some reason i have a brain that works in that direction but i can't utilize it right now um mm. and so i don't know it's it's kind of a, a rock and a hard place kind of situation well it's two separate businesses one is yeah. selling the work and the other one is research i mean it's sure. almost it's almost as if it's almost as if you need to do a non-profit <laughs> and, and have a grant because God. the other way yeah. that would be the only way you know almost like the way a researcher does where you're sure. you know then you're, you're you're paid for but you're not having to create a product and that's the problem sure. is is you're, you're, that's the hardest part is I want to do the product, you know, and, and for me, I'm actually, I just closed out all my June orders and I'm super happy. I'm like very, very happy because, um, I'm now I'm like, I'm, I haven't really been doing a whole lot of, of, uh, upselling through the holidays because I'm trying to cut through everything. So I'm like kind of blasting through all my old stuff so we can by the hopefully by the middle of february we can just start making stuff and selling it direct because the lists are it's the money's great but it's like the it's problematic because it it, it puts you behind you know and then sure. you're missing hmm. out on you're missing out on potential you know and the real great move is to make it and then sell it not take the orders and then make it it's it's just yeah, yeah. Puts you i think back. we all I agree. As businesses, you all want to be in a situation where any decision you make is the right decision. Sometimes <laughs> you know that people are offering you money and you may, may not be the right decision. Be like, I need to take this money. I need, you know, because maybe, you know, you might not have like a long runway. You might not have the security. Um, and funny that my, my wife and I were talking about this this week, and uh, you know, it's, it's you can almost start, like take a deep breath and say, okay, we're we're a bit more sort of comfortable now. We can start making better decisions for the business rather than having to scratch around and take any business. Um, and you know, everybody's going to come to that point, at, you know. And when you think, well, you know, when do we stop? Whether we're taking orders or taking the wrong orders and start doing the right thing for the business, they aren't always the same thing. And sometimes, yeah. You need to sort of take a step back and say, "Okay, this money would be good. We, I'd like to take this order, but is it the right thing to do in the long term?" And I do completely mm. understand that sometimes you need to just the option needs to be take the money, and it, you know it has been for me many, many times. Um, but yeah, we all want to be at that point where we can, you know, we've got a security and freedom to say, "Well, actually, this wouldn't be right in the long term for the business so maybe we'll be a pass on this we've one. totally we've totally been been taking taking jobs in and being like well that was that came in handy you know mm, yeah that's and what i'm saying yeah we all do it yeah 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 the next one comes from will morrison no will morrison serious guy he's got the will dick morrison problems nuts. right yeah yeah well, he might <laughs> i'm uh, i'm not 100 percent sure he's he's usually i he, this one he usually sends it at night and i'm always assuming that he's He's drunk. So sometimes he's drunk and sometimes he's not. And this one apparently he's not. Uh, he says, invest in shop lights that will make your work look bad. Get those stray scratches and wonky bevels to pop while you can still do something about them. And save the soft, diffused lighting for photography so potential customers can't see how rough your slash my knives really are until they've spent the money. Loving the podcast, guys, but can you 
try to tone down the silliness. I tune in to learn, not to laugh. And then he wrote love. Very serious. Love Craig Lockwood's nipples. It was... <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't? I doesn't. I doesn't. Uh, funnily enough, that was mentioned on on uh, Work for It podcast this week. They talked about lighting in the shop, um, and I, th- I think Ben was saying that you know having you know perfect diffuse light isn't the best when you're sort of like hand sanding that kind of thing. You want like a harsh, almost you know use a sure. torch and shine yeah. it across the blades. So you see all the nasty scratches. Um, that's it, it is a good point. Um, have you know flexible lighting, I suppose, so everything is is lit in, you know suitably. Uh, I'll say so. I've been recently. I had the electrical redone in my shop, and um, I, some of the electrical work was the lighting. And some of the lights I have are these. Um, they're full spectrum LEDs. There's this company named Coda. Um, but what they do is you can actually they it's interesting you can re- control them with a remote and you can either have them 100% on blazing bright or you can step them down 10% all the way down to 10 and you can adjust the lighting as well as also set uh timers like if you there's a, sh- a part of the shop that you're not in all the time like when you walk away and if you haven't been there for 5 minutes they'll shut off and then they'll pop right back on the second you're back in that area um, but I've been finding that it's been really nice and they, and they do when they're 100% on the lighting is harsh and it helps. I'll actually in my grinding room, uh, which is the next room to put those lights in. It still has like the old halogen lights and I can't really see what the fuck I'm looking at. I'll actually go out underneath these Coda lights and I'll blast them on and I'll use that harsh light to really take a look and see what I'm looking at, um, on my blades. So I, I agree. Bright lights make a big difference. Big, big difference. Good lights and good sandpaper if you're, if you're hand sanding those blades. For so sure. We all use Indasa RhinoWet. The best sandpaper out there. It's it's just really good. It comes in these really handy sheets and you can break it down into little strips, whatever you need to do. Multiple grits, so you know you choose the grits that you're happy using. Um, it's just, it just works. It just works. So it's going to save you time. And if it's saving you time, it's saving you money. So make sure you use it in Dasa Rhino Wet for any hand sanding or any finishing that you're doing. Um, and you can also get that from Texas Farrier Supply. TexasFarrierSupply.com. They've got a whole range of stuff there for knife makers. Um, go take a look. And if you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off your order. So that's anything for the knife maker, as well as obviously the, the Rhino Wet sandpaper. So make sure you head over to TexasFarrierSupply.com and use Knife Talk 10. Before we get back into it, I just want to talk about our um, the All Beef Review is the end of the year, but it'll be the first show of the year. Uh, it's a show mm. where we l- read off your listener beefs, and I wanted to read you a. Pre- I want to give you a preview of a listener beef. So what I'm asking you as the listener, DM us your beefs. It can be about anything except for not partic- not people. <laughs> don't don't start slagging people because. It's just we're not. This is supposed to be fun, so it's like I can't. I don't like to eat my soup with a fork. That kind of shit, you know. So this one comes from. Uh, uh, this is a sample from Sit Smith Sam Lapland. We already talked about him once. He says, "Do you know whose balls I'd like to smash into a mailbox for two straight hours?" <laughs> Go ahead, uh, Jeff. Is no, he saying Jeff? <laughs> you're supposed to drink, Craig. 
Start drinking. <laughs> people who want people who want to order something the week before Christmas, I politely tell them that there's this four to six week waiting period on my products, but they can't seem to understand the fa- that fact, and it's all handmade, and that it takes time. These motherfuckers don't seem to care and keep asking. If I can't make an exemption for them, how do I stay polite for these people? Thanks for the great pad podcast. So send your complaints. Here's here's one from me. I got into an argument with a guy, and he said to me, he gave me his response, and he says, the evidence is here. Look it up. And I said, wait a second. Look it up. You're supposed to tell me your argument. You're supposed to sell me. I don't have to disprove your argument by looking up your look at. Don't say look it up. Don't don't argue with someone. Say, well, there it's right here. Just look it up. I'm like, fuck you. You you give it to me. Don't, I'm not looking it up. Hmm. Asshole. Yeah. Jesus. So DM us the rest of your beefs. We have a few more. Um, I got a lot of good ones, but I want some more. I got some from, I got some funny ones, and I got some not so funny ones. And send them in uh, to the DM us at uh, Knife Talk on Instagram. Nice, nice. Shall we go back to? Let's. We got a big bunch of questions here, so we just pick one question sure. each, and then we'll head off. Um, and I've got a bottle of wine to oh finish. My God. <laughs> I'll take the first one from um, CN Knives. Um, hey, KTP, I have a question about Kydex. Since Kydex sheaths tend to be pressed slightly over the knife handle, is there a chance the heat of the Kydex can mess with the epoxy in the handle and loosen it up? If so, any tips to avoid this? Um, no, is the answer, really. Um, if... Uh, you know, uh, Kydex, I do my Kydex run about 160 degrees Celsius. Um, it comes out, um, obviously, straight into the press. Um, for that heat to transfer through your hand, through your handle materials down to your glue, uh, your epoxy, it, it, it's not really going to happen. Um, you, you're fine. Don't worry too much about the heat with Kydex. Um, but, you know, if, if you are worried about the, the epoxy failing just with kydex i'd be more worried about um people using their you know that their knives in a hot kitchen you know next to you know fires and all the rest of it so you know consider using bolts or at least pins as well as the epoxy but the the actual heat from the kydex you should be fine should be should be i would strongly suggest doing the finishing if you're going to use wax or oil i would suggest and if the Kydex is going to go over the part of the handle, especially if it's like part of the handle, I mm. usually wait to do the oiling or the waxing after I've done the Kydex because I'm afraid that the the warmth on that one spot will kind of make a different situation from the rest of it. Mm. So that's sure. the one thing. With I the would, wax. Yeah, 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 it'll, yeah, it'll, yeah. will melt the wax a little bit and then give you a slight difference. Yeah, good point. Nice. Yeah. Jeff, do you want to look down that long list of questions? I got one. And, um, Go ahead. Yep. This one's from Brian Cohn. Uh, he says, I just had a blade catch on a buffer be- buffing belt that is used on my Broadback Ironworks 2x72. This knife bounced off my leather apron and landed tip down within an inch of my tennis shoe wearing foot before shooting across the shop. Yes, I realize that I should be uh, wearing boots. So my question is, what PPE do you use on a daily basis and recommend for when there is a potential of flying knives in the shop? Thank you, gentlemen. Buffing belts, they're the worst, worst things. You know what's Um, really bad, too, is is if you're you're using the uh, Scotch-Brite belts. 
I actually oh, yeah. have had problems where I was buffing uh, an oyster knife, and the tip caught the 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 Scotch Brite, mm. and then it'll 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 give it to you. So you got to be careful yeah. with those things too. They're really they fucking catch all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, PP I use on a gen on a daily basis. I generally have um, long flowing locks. I wear Crocs, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, not wearing the Reeboks um, anymore. The shape ups. I'm still wearing the Reebok. They're 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 the, they're the bomb. They're, they're amazing. The bomb. Um, I I the uh, respirator that I use has like a face mask with it as well. It's one of those you know sealed in units where it pumps air down in. Um, so if you're not wearing one of them, make sure you wear an eye protection of some sort, um, particularly when you're buffing because there is that chance of, of things flowing out and also just that spray you get from the buffing wheel as well. Um, definitely wear eye protection obviously a respirator of some sort um i use a a, a leather apron as, as you do um and yeah shoes you, you don't want to be wearing tennis shoes or, or crocs um i wear these Reebok sort of workshop shoes um they don't have like metal toe caps um but they're very comfortable and they got you know anti-oil and grease slip on the bottom all that kind of stuff so yeah just just do what you can and i'm sure we could all do better um Personally, I you know I know I need to get better at you know filtering the air in the shop and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's basically all I use. Um, also use um, ear protection as well. So I'll either use uh, isotunes I'll use if I'm listening to stuff because it'll drown out the, the the background noise. But if not, just you know just general sort of earmuffs that are you know stopping all that noise. And I think that's that's basically it. No. I honestly, I my hearing is one of the most important things to me, along with my eyesight and being able to. What the hell that just happened? I think that was rain. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I don't know if you guys heard that. That's super hearing. That's very good hearing you got. This. Um. Uh. So I. Uh, yeah, I always I always have my isotunes in because they also have the memory foam tips and they really form to the ear and they help block out sound. Uh, which I really appreciate. It also allows me to listen to whatever I'm listening to on a lower level um, because it's blocking out all the extraneous sound. Um, I always, I, I try to, especially when I'm grinding, I'm wearing an apron. Um, and unfortunately, there aren't, even if you're working with a leather apron, you know, especially if something's pointy, it can go through most leather aprons. Um, oh, yeah. Even if, uh, I, I think the only way to protect against that would be to like to have some sort of like Kevlar vest or something on, like that lining the backside of your apron. Um, and and that might, may be warranted for some people, if, especially with buffing wheels. There have been issues in the past of people catching knives in their hearts. Anyways, um, <laughs> boots, definitely for sure. I used to be uh, afraid, I almost said a scared, uh, I used to be afraid of wearing steel toe boots in the shop but i think more and more uh, you know it's because i'm not really carrying around anything heavy that potentially could fall on that toe and that that steel toe could hurt my foot more than like the thing uh, could have in the first place um i'm open to it i have i'm half Samoan, so i got pretty wide feet and that's really the bigger issue for me wearing uh steel toes um but definitely some sort of lever leather um will will be better it's less likely to catch fire <laughs> versus your tennis shoe. Um, respirator, I wear a quick release from 3M. Uh, I actually got a re-up on um, one of those. I wear a face shield. And uh, and I it, something that 
Craig just mentioned was the air circulation. I never really thought about that as PPE, but it honestly really is because it's helping to cycle out small particulates and stuff, especially in my grinding room. I have an isolated grinding room. If it, if it, if I didn't have anything removing that dust from the air, that would be pretty gnarly, even if I had a respirator on. Um, and so having that air cycle out very easily um, really helps to protect my, my respiratory health um, because that's just that, that much less, um, you know, fine particulates of steel and, and resin latent wood dust and who know, you know, carbon fiber and whatever G10 else go that could be going into your lungs, you know? So I, I I'm definitely going to start <laughs> counting my, uh, my fan as a part of my PPE for sure. I think with buffers, you also have to, it, you, you shouldn't, I think that PPE is important, but what was that? <laughs> sorry. It was, it was I thought you were drinking. Sorry. There was a guy. He's not talking to Siri. So no. I Siri, think give that, me another glass of wine. I think it's important to, to PPE is important, but also the buffer is a problem because people don't understand that the buffer will catch your edge. You have to be very, very careful in regards to how you're, putting something up against a buffer or a wire wheel and and even even grinding discs and i just try to really be very conscious of the fact that i want the i want it rotating down not away from me but downwards and then i'm holding everything at that bottom corner like i i always break down most of these discs in quarters and it's the bottom quarter you want to be on and then you don't want to be on the top corner and you want to make sure that whatever you're touching it's it's not going to potentially catch like a thin edge or something like that. So I try to really be very careful in regards to how I'm approaching the buffing wheel because I've had stuff pulled out of my hands and it's it's terrifying. Um, For sure. I I I usually I used to I used to like wearing Pumas because they're suede and they'll burn, but then I started to wear I do like uh, I wear I have like leather suede style sneakers. Um, and then sometimes I'll wear a lot of times I, wear, I like blundstones because dust doesn't go through the through the holes. You know they're you know they're pretty they're they're pretty good in terms of keeping everything kind of clean. And then I I actually I have a leather apron but I don't use it. I I got welding aprons because I'm not really I just they're lighter and I think that they're they're fine by me. I, I've never really had a knife come into me so. I really be, and then I go up to every piece of equipment right before I use it, and I said, "I know you could kill me, but I really hope you don't today." And I'm very conscious of that. Power <laughs> hammers. Say, you say a prayer. <laughs> but every, when I used to use power hammers every day, I would say to myself, "Don't be stupid, you moron! Don't fucking <laughs> this thing is going to fucking make it hurt, and it's the kind of hurt that you know you're not going to get away from." So I, no. I'm very like. I almost do like a very like this is the day. Even even my wife uh, was saying after the car accident and the car accident, I bumped me a fuck. I fucked the car. Up. <laughs> she, she well, I mean, it's it, horrifying. Listen to me, both of you. You should yeah. have seen the other guy. I, I, she says to me, you need to slow down. You need to like slow down and think. And I, you can't. We don't. We can't afford for you to go to the hospital. In in term, in general, in general, and and you just have to kind of like be a little bit, you know, slow down a little bit. So that's what I have to say mm. about that. And then I like I wear a respirator all day long from as soon as I walk in the shop till um till the end of the day. Yeah, and and just a big thing is just trying to keep the place clean as well. So little things like um, getting you know swarf splinters that kind of thing because you know you put your arm down on something. Just make sure everything's clean. Yeah, you should be good. You should be good. 
Okay, I think we're at that point. <laughs> Christmas. This is our last show of, well, the last show together. Mareko's going to be doing a show next week. Yes. So Mareko's doing a, a solo show next week. I'm recording um, tomorrow. Are you doing it with yourself? Or you have a guest. I have a guest. Ooh. Any any teasers? Aaron Wilburn. Not much of a teaser. Ah. Fucking great. Fucking nice. excellent. Excellent. Send my regards. I will. So that's 100%. that'll be coming up the following the following Monday. So yeah, there won't be a break in scheduling for uh, knife talk. I, I think he's gonna make sure make sure he 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 said something. Uh, he refer, he was talk, He was looking at Bill Grulick's knife before he was uh, going to uh, do the um, journeyman Smith, and he was he said something that was so funny. It was like that that is some radical activity, dude. Something like that. He's very California, so there's going to be a lot of radical and tubular and all that stuff he's old sure. school california it's great hmm. cool okay Morocco. what's the dream for the week apart from a good show tomorrow oh yeah Friday. that's definitely the biggest dream of the week now uh so what is it it's uh it's christmas next week right and so um yeah I, we have a bunch of we're still like tying up loose ends of like homemade christmas gifts and stuff like that for family um so i just hope that's uh, all goes smoothly and everything gets done in time. I'm going to be baking up a storm on, I think it's on Wednesday. I'm going to be baking up a bunch of cookies and making creme brulees and doing stuff for like Christmas dinner, just like getting ready for Christmas dinner a couple days ahead of time. So I'm not doing it all on that day. Um, yeah. Otherwise I just, I just want things to go smooth. I'm not, I'm trying, trying to stress a lot less. Uh, and just taking things as they come and doing what I can. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> getting less enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, what's what's the dream? Well, I'm gonna go back in the shop and finish a few things off. And uh, for this, well, it's, it's the past. So I'm this week. I'm finishing off local knives. Like I got like six that are going to be drop off and pick up. So I have to haul, I'm a hauling ass. So I got to really losing today was kind of like a rough one, but I'm psyched about that. Um, and then, uh, there, my wife might get the COVID vaccine and we might get it. I mean, the, our doctor said that they're going to be, our uh, pr- practitioner might be getting it sooner rather than later. So we're going to, hopefully we're hope we're crossing our fingers for that. We've become like, who uh, you know, dude, we've become like fucking zealots. We've been coming COVID zealots. We're like, uh, we, Hillary and I refer to ourselves as Orthodox COVID. We're like, we're like completely <laughs> like, you know, shunning people and stuff like that. So sure. I'm looking forward to that being done. And then, um, yeah, it'll be nice. I'm looking forward to a couple things. I think I might be getting one of those Florentine kitchen knives coming my way. That might be my Christmas present oh. to myself. The new Kedma, the new Kedma Gyoto. Nice. Gyoto. I'm psyched about that. So. Nice. Yeah, they look cool. They look very Good nice. Good dude, right there. Yeah, I saw. I saw him lasering this week. He's lasering like crazy with his little foot pedal going. You know, so I told it. him he, his. They have one of those. What are they? What are those? Um. A st- a st- uh, they, before they had like a what it's like a stenograph or what is it what are those things called where um you know what I'm talking a pictograph the, pictograph oh, what they call so it's, no, pentag- um, I think it's a pentagraph yeah pentagraph that's the so way, he yes, had yeah. his poor wife doing the pentagraph logo for every knife and what happens oh, is yeah. is it's such a tr- intricate 
you know, the, his logo is just very intricate. So she would do it and he didn't trust himself. And then he had me try it one time. I was like, this is, I'm not doing this. So he got the laser and I said, well, what are you going to do with no? You're throwing Gnome out. Gnome's got no, doesn't have a job anymore. And he's like, no, oh, that's the way it is. Get the laser. <laughs> Get rid I said, send me that, send me that pentagraph. So I'm hoping for a relaxed, nice, easy drive without two screaming monsters in the back of the car throwing stuff at me the whole way. Um, back to the UK, um, where we're spending 10 days um, for Christmas at my sister's house. Um, we're, we're allowed to sort of mix with uh, two family. It was originally three, but yesterday announced it's now two, so it'll just be us and my sister. Um yeah, and I'm, we're just really looking forward to it because we've been in lockdown here. Like when I say lockdown, we are like remote. We are completely remote, so we we go weeks without seeing anybody else apart from my wife and and the kids. So it's gonna be nice to be with other people. Um, you know, back in Wales, shops are open, so it's just gonna be nice. You know, we can get takeaways delivered. It's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be like the dream holiday. Nice. Almost. Um, so yeah, we're just looking forward to that for Christmas, and um, I say I, I'm basically not working. Um, I'm doing you know the podcast stuff you know in the in the in the days, which takes like sort of an hour each day. That's that's fine, um, but yeah, then just relaxing and you know spending time with the kids and eating eating too much and drinking too much and doing doing what you're supposed to do at Christmas. So yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm sure of it. <laughs> and slapping your nephews for not catching enough fish. <laughs> that that's my brother's kids. Oh, okay, that is, sorry. Yeah, we, yeah. We we won't be seeing them unfortunately because um, it'd be illegal to, um, which yeah, with crazy times we're in. But uh, yeah, that's that's where we're at. But um, yeah, it's going to be good. So everybody who's listening, um, we won't be speaking to you before Christmas. Uh, Mareka will do with his with a single track. Um, but we hope you all have a, a a safe Christmas and you all have an enjoyable Christmas and and go for it. It's been a shit year. Go for it. Drink too much, eat too much, and be jolly. That's why. And I send your beefs in. Send your beefs. And send your beefs send in. Your yeah. beefs More importantly. <laughs> That's a show. Thank you all so much for listening. And um, yeah. Happy Christmas. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.